the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black. (coughs) Excuse me. It's that winter weather that seems to go all year round. When you live in the Bay Area, uh, a little bit of phlegm in the throat. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. I can be honest with you and tell you that I don't understand things like the Australian wildfires or the Sonoma wine fires, Sonoma wine country fires. I don't get it. I don't see the scale of it. Like I, it, it, it misses me. So I don't get terribly upset by it, but I know I should be. I get money. I get investments. I get trends. Uh, my highs aren't very high. My lows aren't very low. So there's things that I'm going to miss, and I hope you kind of grasp it and you're good with it, right? Uh, One thing I do want to talk about are some of the investment ideas out there that I would refer to as kind of almost trend-based, if lack of a better thought than that. Um, I like looking at numbers. I like baseball because it's all numbers to me. I can't tell you a thing one about Carlos Beltran. But I can tell you, like, batting averages, and it calms me down numbers, too. Uh, there's something called a neobank. And anytime I see things like words that I've never really grew up with, and if there's a trend tied towards it, I want to figure it out. Consumers are warming up to neobanks. You get the anti-incumbent marketing pitch. You get appealing features like overdraft cushions. There's a neobank called Chime, like wind chime. I'm being very, I'm trying to enunciate very clearly right now because my, I feel like there's phlegm everywhere. Uh, but neobank Chime is leading U.S. players with a five million accounts right now. Have you ever heard of Chime? Um, there's another neobank called Aspiration and Vero who are targeting the vast majority of customers who still lack a neobank account. You're going to hear more and more and more about neobanks. And uh, companies that have marketing budgets and features that are very similar to banks. Publicity matters a great deal with the success or failure of any product, right? Chime spent $32 million on TV ads in the first eight months of 2019. And Monzo had plans in June to spend $20 million on marketing. Vero, Monzo, N26, Chime, Revolut, which is exactly like it sounds, but without the ION. It sounds like Revolution. Revolut, without the ION. Uh, a lot of the core features that neobanks in the United States and Europe offer pulling customers. Um, overdraft protection. Um, access to early wage, early wage access. Access to early wages. Early wage access. That's how you say it. Um, I was trying to figure out that phraseology in my head. But you're going to see the rise of more alternative banks. Um, 
And once one of them turns profitable, you're going to see the big boys gobble them up. Smaller banks and credit unions will begin spending a percentage of their assets on technology that is equal to or greater than the percentage major banks are spending as a trend. Um, I'm, I don't want to use the word thrilled, but I'm positively surprised with how good the Bank of America app is and how it has cut my number of trips to the bank probably by five or six a year, maybe more. So we'll see if neobanks do their thing and or not. Heard an interesting statistic yesterday. You know about peak oil, right? Uh, when we're going to stop using a peak amount or when there's a peak amount found and the reserves will dwindle from here forward, you kind of have the idea. How about peak smart speaker market? It looks like 2020 or 2019 will be the teeter-totter where people are like, oh, I'm going to get myself a smart speaker. Pretty much so everyone has one that, that wants one. So from here, new users will decline. The question is, will you up your game? There's a high level of penetration from Amazon, from Google, from Apple. I guess there's some others out there, companies for sure, in the, like Sonos. But the interested buyers, they've got one. So now we're going to start seeing some shifts in those numbers. Uh, Smart Speaker is now a mature platform in terms of adoption. It'll need to be thought of as such rather than a brash immersion platform. Uh, even though Apple's HomePod never really caught on as much as I think Alexa speakers and Google speakers or Sonos speakers. Um, I've got a couple of Apple HomePods, and they're fine. They're, they, they sound great to me. I, I admittedly don't have a great ear. Um, but smart speaker penetration has matured. And uh, you won't be able to see companies like Apple, Google, and Amazon say, oh, we got this, this speaker thing coming out. There will be no excitement about it. they got to come up with something else to get us excited. In 2020... I think Amazon or Alphabet, maybe I should say 2020, 2021, will try to partner with a wireless carrier. Um, there seems to be like three wireless carriers. I don't know if you're with me or not. T-Mobile, Sprint, if they merge, Verizon, and AT&T. There seems to be three or four big media tech companies. Amazon, Alphabet, also known as Google. Apple and Facebook trying to get all those services on one bill is a dream for any telecom and for companies like Facebook and Google the ability to pivot a bit from political ads to monthly cell phone bills would be pretty interesting. Dishface is an uphill battle. It needs capital to build out its network and would struggle to poach mobile customers from incumbents. I don't think they're the play. Now, Dish would bring telecom industry expertise to the partnership with an Amazon or an Alphabet. <laughs> I don't know if... I, I really don't know if uh, Facebook's there yet. So Amazon sought FCC uh, permission to launch a broadband satellite network. Jeff Bezos, billionaire. 
And he was the guy who was tied to the article, the research piece that I just saw on uh, men getting plastic surgery. And I, I think they were trying to imply that he did it for corporate reasons. I don't even know if he did it. But for men to get into the whole improve our looks to improve our career, it's kind of nice. The woman who used to cut my hair when I had more hair, she said, this has been a great period for men. They're, they care about their looks. The hipsters care about their hair. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Not me so much. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. You're going to see more global automakers in 2020. This is an easy prediction. They're going to announce a wide range of 5G-connected models. 5G is going to be just as important to cars as it is to cell phones. A lot of connected features are waiting for you in your car. About a forthcoming 5G-connected always-on. So I own shares of Qualcomm because I think it's a 5G play on things that aren't phones. Automakers have long been eyeing technology as ways of getting a subscription into your car. If they could sell you a data plan for $10 a month, they would love it. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Seminars coming up. Listen to the commercial. You'll find out where it is. You can sign up at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. This is a song about being a dad and loving your child so much. Wanting to give them that, that advice. You got this. Just don't mess it up. I get it. I think it was a message my dad was always trying to send me. 2020 is going to be a year, in my opinion, where Amazon, Microsoft, or Google, maybe not 2020, maybe 2021. And you'll give me credit later. But primarily, I think Amazon has to spin off the web services sooner than later. Because the global cloud market is consolidated with about four players. Microsoft's Azure. Azure. 16% of the market. Amazon Web Services, 34%. Alibaba Cloud, 8%. Google Cloud, 8%. Others, 8%. That Amazon Web Services, when you combine that with their... Uh, dominant online store and delivery business and fulfillment. I, I, I think they're going to get government attention. And I, what's the beautiful thing about what I'm saying is whether it be Google or Microsoft or Amazon, if they spit out their cloud business, <clears throat> let's, let's say Microsoft and Google. Microsoft spins theirs out to Google. So it's not like Google goes from you know 8% market share to 16%. Or to 24%, excuse me, because Azure's got 16%. Uh, it's a better competitor to Amazon Web Services, but also <clears throat> it takes away the pressure of the government going, well, you got Windows, and you got Office, and you got Xbox. Do you really need uh, Web Services, too? There's some value when you unlock it, because the Amazon Web Services or the Microsoft Azure or the Google Cloud employees have to typically report to their bosses. And they may have some crazy ideas on, we can make this internet like three times faster. 
but they can't get their bosses to sign off on it because it's going to be a marketing expense or something along those lines. So I think Amazon, Microsoft, or Google uh, feel the heat. The heat is on from the United States government, and I think they've got to do something about it. I'm starting to get to the point where I feel like we've run out of names for companies. There's a big business called Digital Health, and you're going to see some IPOs. One Medical is one of them. One Medical went after an IPO after it pocketed $350 million in funding. It's a primary care disruptor. The consumer awareness it needs would be an IPO. Um, but it has to steal business from other doctors. There's one company that I saw <laughs> called Livongo. That's, that's the company when I'm saying. I think we've run out of names. It's L-I-V-O-N-G-O. And um, the addressable market and striking partnerships with consumer intake of better healthcare brands. Uh, pretty interesting. So you're going to see a lot of IPOs in digital health. So there was a little bit of a drought of, I, of digital health IPOs. Uh, but the floodgates are open. Health catalysts change healthcare. Um, they came public. Chance of a recession will hit the United States sooner than later. Could slow down the digital health IPO floodgates. But there's a lot of disruption to happen there. I think I'd use doctor services more often if I didn't have to go to the doctor. It's kind of like I, I buy more stuff because I don't have to go to the store through Amazon. Same idea with digital health. I've had dry lips for better part of like 12 months now. I uh, can't figure it out. I'm drinking enough water. It's probably an allergy to something. Hopefully not water. But 2020 will be the year U.S. government officials are forced to address the cybersecurity crisis in healthcare. We are so bad. I'm not going to say backwards, but we are so not up to date on how to handle disruptive ransomware and, you know, cyber attacks on the healthcare industry. Over 32 million people have had their health data exposed by data breaches last year. And that was number was about 16 million in 2018. So it's doubling fast. Criminals are getting smarter, too. I saw... You know that I love the website next door. I love how people post on it. You know, just the most inane things. Like, can you all tell people to be nicer to employees at Starbucks? And you're like, whoa. Did you really have to put that down in writing? Uh, but cyber attacks, big, 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 big deal. Um, high profile cyber attacks on healthcare organizations. We don't even know how many aren't being reported. I think that's fair to say. But uh, I think we all know that we've had our data stolen. It's probably a pretty good idea that you accept that. It would be great if our government came up with a new ID system that wasn't a social security number. But I, I, even think, I don't think it happens. The rollout of the new driver's license has been so slow by various state organizations. I don't think they're going to be able to pull that off. Where you can't fly later this year, you don't have a new driver's license. A new, specially encoded one. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Earlier, I talked a little bit about Spotify. And they've done really, really strong in podcast. It's doubling down on discoverability and exclusive original content. 
And the only other big player in the world of podcasts is Apple. Not the only other big player. The other big player. Despite Android's dominance worldwide, Apple dominates podcast listening via its podcast apps. So you may have a Google phone, but you're not likely listening to apps where, not apps, but uh, podcast. Whereas if you have an Apple phone, you're more likely. My show is available on podcast under Rob Black and Your Money. At one point in time, it was the eighth most downloaded or eighth most used business podcast in the nation. Yeah, that was early on. Anyhow, Spotify's so nice. Apple Podcast currently uh, has greater volume, about 800,000 podcasts. Spotify's got about 500,000. But Spotify knows they're going after this market hard. Um, Apple said, we'll enhance search enhancements. So they're trying to say we're still in the game. You can f- oh, love this song. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. Big seminar coming up. Sign up at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Let's talk FICO scores. I want to say that... As you hit the latter stages of your life, you don't really care about credit scores as much, but I don't really know. A, I'm not in my latter stages of my life. I'm still using credit. But I've seen people more obsessed with their credit score than they are with how much they have in their 401k. It's an odd thing. The 401k, the 403b, the 457, your investments, your savings, your nest egg, whatever you want to call it, you're going to live off from 60 to 100 and so scream me supplement a couple shekels here and there. Um, but credit scores have got people kind of a little crazy. A little cray-cray. So let me give you an example of where I see credit scores as being super important. You don't want to mess things up in your 20s. You don't have to get it right in your 20s. You just don't want to mess it up. Stay away from bankruptcy, stay away from late payments, stay away from defaulting. You're going to be okay. You're going to want to buy a car. You're going to want to buy a house. You're going to want to get a job, maybe an apartment. Um, Did I say house? I probably did. And that's where credit scores are going to be important. Now, a good credit score is awesome. A great credit score is amazing. But it's not the end-all, be-all. And they can be fixed and improved. And there are ways for you to leverage the system so that a weak situation like a missed payment could be managed properly. For instance, if you've got a bad credit score, and let's say your circumstance was you were going through a messy divorce, and both of you decided to beat each other up emotionally and physically, but also financially. So you both go run up credit cards, and then you don't pay the bills, and you're like, ah, her name's on it. Ah, I just got a new suit for myself. I'm going to go, ah, ha, ha, ha. I'm going to go on vacation, look good. Oh, by the way, there's a big, big male. Um, let's search for the word correctly. Let's search the word correctly. There's a big male um, enhancement of uh, image and plastic surgery movement going on. In Silicon Valley, of course. <clears throat> I grew up in a world where at least I knew Harrison Ford was relatively good looking at 60. Don't like the earring, but that men didn't need 
plastic surgery or they didn't do it. They were just like, oh, we age gracefully. Not all of us do. I aged like a glass of milk. <laughs> Not well. So, talking a little bit, I'm just a little sidetracked about men spending big dollars on cosmetic surgery. For the record, I don't, I'm not a big fan of cosmetic surgery for anyone, but if you want it, good for you. Um, I just, you got to save for retirement first before you get your lips puffed up. Millennials average FICO scores increased 25 points since 2012. That's pretty interesting. So 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, some people probably got into some financial problems. So when you see an increase of 25 points since 2012, that's not, you know, all that. It could have been just from really low levels, right? The average credit score was a record-breaking 703 in 2019. Do you know your credit score? You should have an idea. Oh, Kim Kardashian showed off five new refrigerators in her house this week, including one with just bottles of water. I'm not not a fan. Not a fan, but I'll leave it at that. Okay, let me open my apps. I'm going to Credit Karma right now. The average credit score, 703 in 2019. Let's see if I beat it, or let's see if I'm a disaster. Do, 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 do. Um, let's take it too long. <laughs> I'll come back to it when it's done. The internet today, not, oh, there it is, um, 778. <clears throat> so the average is 703. So I can walk around and like stick my chest out, crow a little bit. Crow! Because <clears throat> I'm 75 points better than the average. Millennials have achieved a 25-point increase since 2012. The average age Americans are reaching credit score of FICO 700 is the lowest it's ever been at age 54. <clears throat> the spike in millennials' credit scores can be attributed to many entering the workforce, advancing in their careers, achieving life, st- life milestones like buying a home or a car. A good credit score is 670 to 739. And again, where were we? 703? So we, we're good credit. But again, standards have been loosened. And some of the punishments for past mistakes have been uh, nerfed, I think is the term. So we take the sting out of it. A good credit score, 670 to 739. And they'll get you the best rate on a mortgage or an auto loan or a credit card. But for me, a good credit score, I may hire you. If, if I saw that you had 10 years of, of paying your bills on time, I like that. Way better than asking, so what do you want from this job? Um, If I see that you've never been kicked out of an apartment, a lien thrown on you, and a bankruptcy, uh, three straight months of a bender where you ended up not paying any bills, I ain't going to hire you. Or I may not. The average FICO score in the United States, 703. Millennials average score, up 25 points since 2012. The older you are, the higher your credit score. That's interesting. The silent generation, which is a generation, I don't like saying it because it sounds creepy. 74-year-olds and older is the silent generation. They have the highest credit score with a 756. I'm even better than them. Sweet. I don't stress about paying my bills on time. I just pay my bills on time. Generation Z has the lowest credit score at 677. Uh, Some quick tips on your credit. If your credit score is less than stellar. 
make on-time payments going forward. Payment history is the most important factor in your credit score. Pay in full. While you should always make at least your minimum payment, pay your full bill every month to reduce your utilization rate. That is your total credit card balance divided by your total available credit. I pay my balances off every month. I've not paid an interest charge on credit cards in at least, or late payment or anything like that, in at least 25, 28 years. So that's a good thing. Keep in mind, if you open a credit account or let's say you decide like tonight, I'm going to become the points king, the king of of airline points or hotel points. I'm going to figure this all out. I'm going to go on free vacations that get me even more free vacations with the points I got on my free vacation. I've been guilty of doing that once or twice where I'm like, I'm going to Hawaii. I'm going to find the best Hawaii credit card for, and then I open it and I'm like, oh, I didn't see the one line, the one detail in the contract that that is a deal breaker for me. So I instantly close the account and it's like, what did I just do? So you don't want to open up too many accounts at once. I don't know if you want to open up accounts like at one in the morning, because <laughs> maybe that makes you look a little weird. Uh, or desperate, or inebriated. But um, don't open up too many accounts. If you open up too many accounts, they're going to go, hey, why is this guy who's making $15 now or suddenly looking to open up three credit cards? And maybe in your head you're like, I'm going to buy my honey. I'm going to buy my honey a diamond ring. And you open up a credit card because you know you can't afford the big rock and the big chunk of payment. So you get a MasterCard. And then you get to the jewelry store, and they're like, oh, if you open this up today, we'll give you a free bobble. It's earrings to go with your diamond rings. And you're like, well, I should do that. And suddenly you've opened up $40,000, $50,000 of credit, and your credit score drops, and it's because you could potentially get into trouble. So credits, I don't want people to get too freaked out by it. Credit Karma is a good app. It's a solid app. I don't think my credit information has been scammed or stolen through it. And in fact, because they alert me every single time a new account is open, it's a good thing. Or if my utilization rate goes higher, they alert me. So it's kind of like a credit monitoring service without it officially being a credit monitoring service. Burger King makes the impossible Whopper cheaper by including the value mail. 2019, I got hit on the head with a brick called Beyond Meat. Of course we knew about non-meat alternatives. One year, uh, this really stank. I was in love with a woman named Juliet. And when we fell in love, we were both foodies. We enjoyed going world traveling and great restaurants. And then she became a vegan. And it just changed the terms of our relationship where I eat meat and she does not. I like to cook meat and she does not like to eat meat. But uh, 2019 was a year that I think it became a legit, very MC Hammer, too legit, too legit to quit. 2018 veggie burgers, they're cute, but their taste wasn't good. So we've kind of tinkered with it. 
Burger King said today that they're going to add its plant-based Impossible Whopper sandwich to two popular items. Uh, the two items for 6 bucks. They're trying to hit customers with more affordable options and not necessarily the most expensive. Um, but McDonald's last week got into Canada with more vegan burgers made by Beyond Meat. Plant-based foods are still more expensive on average, so trying to get them into that value dollar menu, very, very difficult. But Burger King was one of the very first fast food chains to introduce a plant-based option, and we've been talking about it. In theory, an Impossible Whopper is about a buck or two bucks more expensive than a regular Whopper, but they want to saturate. They want to win mind share. They want to be the first one there. So you're going to lose a little bit of money on this one. Get you in the store. They'll make it up on a Coca-Cola or something like that. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I've got big plans for 2020. I'm going to wrap up doing all this financial guru stuff sooner than later. I still have some good ideas that I can pull off. 82% of consumers have never bought anything. 82% of consumers have never bought anything directly through social media. And that same exact number of consumers responded the same way in 2017 and 2016. So um, a lot of people are unfamiliar with buying the product through social media. Mark Zuckerberg wants to change that. YouTube influencers want to change that. For context, the top 500 retailers earned an estimated $6.5 billion through social shopping in 2017. And it's growing. Interesting note. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. He's going to be with me at the seminar in Palo Alto in early February. You can listen to him here and decide if you want to show up. Chad? Now. Certified Financial Planner, Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, Financial Planner, NewFocusFinancial.com. Insurance. I always say you insure what you can't afford to lose. Chad, I'm going to throw out some items of insurance, and you tell us what they are and why we need them. Okay. Let's start with gap insurance. Yeah, yeah. Gap insurance is extreme, extremely important because I think we all know that if you drive a car off a lot, you buy a new car, you drive it off a lot, and it immediately depreciates. It's definitely a depreciating asset right away. So when you drive a car off the lot yep. and you get in a wreck and you're not insured with gap insurance, then you know you, the car gets totaled. You might owe the bank $35,000, and the insurance company might cover $30,000, even though it's a new car that you just drove off the lot. So gap insurance kind of covers that. It's important, especially on leases, when uh, you know, you're paying a flat rate, but the car is depreciating pretty rapidly. So gap insurance covers you. And I had a personal situation with this. Um, in college where I was on the hook for a thousand bucks after my car was totaled and they paid off the bank and I owed a thousand bucks. Not a fun bill to get when you're in college. I hear that. It seems unfair too. Let's talk life insurance rate changes. Yeah. So this uh, has to do with people that have bought life insurance as an investment in the past. And for the 99 percenters out there, this is a horrible idea. For the one percenters, you got a lot of income, you're maxing out everything else. Sometimes it can be a, a good idea if you work with the right person. But most people that bought policies in the 80s and 90s, the 
interest rates have dropped and the cost of mortality and expenses, which is kind of the overall cost of insurance inside the policy, have gone up. So your policy is probably not performing anywhere close to where it was when the agent sold it to you and showed you this great illustration of that, hey, if you dump all this money into the cash value, you'll be able to pull on a tax-free in retirement. It's probably way behind what they said. So you, there's, there's ways to fix it. Um, you need to ask for an enforced illustration. You need to consult a financial advisor that doesn't get compensated for commissions by selling you stuff so you can get a true outside opinion. But ask for an enforced illustration. See how long your money's going to last at this point in time based on rate changes that have occurred in life insurance. How about disability insurance? Disability insurance is, is so much more important, Rob, than life insurance in terms of statistics. Um, it's way more likely that you're going to spend some time disabled, whether you're like my wife who broke her ankle and couldn't nurse for over a year. Um, it, you know, it's, it's very, very likely that you'll spend some time. So if you don't have good emergency reserves and some disability insurance coverage, um, you could end up ruining your credit and then ruining your life by having to pay for more than any, than the average person for cars and homes and things like that. Or even your, your credit gets so bad, you might not even be able to rent a home. So you have to cover yourself with disability insurance. Usually the, this is one where life insurance is usually cheaper to go get it on your own. Disability insurance is usually cheaper when you get it through your employer. Um, and there's other things out there. If you, if you can't afford a full on, Hey, I'm covered till I'm 65 type of policy, then maybe it's, uh, you know, Aflac type policies that are more shorter term or cash in your pocket coverage. If you break a leg, uh, things like that. So, so definitely look at disability insurance as more important than life insurance because you've got to be able to keep food on the table. Even if you're, if you're injured, we've got about two minutes left. How about key man insurance? Yeah, key man insurance is huge for businesses. So if you have a business where you have one key sales guy, um, you know, somebody that handles all of the finances, the CEO, um, the founder of the company, something that where if that person goes away, there's a significant drop in revenue or value of the company. You need to cover that person. You have to cover that person. You have to be aware of that. Um, when companies are, are younger and they still need the coverage, then term insurance usually makes sense. But if it's going to be a company that's going to be around a long time, then they have to sometimes go to more of a permanent policy. And that's something that businesses should review, and it should be part of the sell agreement between owners. That's more buy-sell insurance. Um, so every good... Every good business agreement, every good partnership has an exit strategy. So that could also be disability key man insurance as well. Um, and by I mean exit strategy, it's either you get in a fight, here's what happens if you need to split up. If somebody's disabled, somebody gets divorced, somebody has, is, dies, here's what happens. And a lot of times you need insurance to fund that so the company can continue to operate on the same cash flow. Got about 30 seconds. Quickly, umbrella insurance cheapest form of coverage before you worry about LLCs and all that other stuff. Uh, 350 bucks for a million dollars of coverage. So two times your net worth, maybe minus some retirement account values is what the formula is to, to get umbrella coverage. Call your property casualty insurance agent today and get that coverage. It's cheap. Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. If you have questions, he can be found at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Big questions. Big questions remain about 2020. Will Libra launch in 2020? Facebook's cryptocurrency. Will China launch a digital currency? Will Amazon expand point-of-sales financing across its site? Contactless payments, will they pick up? 
Spotify will grow to 25% of the global podcast listening market. Lots to think about in 2020. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.